to join in fellowship with you again. Uh, missed last year, and Lord had his purposes, I saw you can conclude. And then when I was asked if I would come up this time up to the day of traveling, I was talking to my wife and saying, um, what's the purpose of me coming up here? Uh, and I told the Lord, Lord, I, I can't say that I know for sure what the purpose is um, because I'm fairly sure that the things I would say preaching that you more than likely have heard already or that you have people that are that will tell you sometime or the other and that there must be a, um, some purposes that I don't know of that the Lord knows about and I've learned some of that I'm sure you yourself uh, experiencing things like that in your life that you can't figure out exactly why is this happening uh, and God in the terms of the songwriter God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform he plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm and that our part is to trust him with all our heart and we not want our own understanding but in all our ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths um, just want again say thank you for your prayers your concern uh, concern seeming to ordinary word uh, your love um, and just bring greetings from the others uh, who usually attend the conference uh, they ask me to convey uh, greetings to all of you <clears throat> well we had some teaching this morning and uh, I would like to be a little more inspirational I suppose that might be the word uh, to encourage you and challenge you as you continue to serve the Lord follow the Lord um, to go together as you get to know more about his word and understand his word it has a wonderful cycle in it that makes you desire to know the Lord more as you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus and the only way to grow in his knowledge grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus is to know his word and as you do that you want to follow him more and as you follow him more and you see how he works and understand his working then there's the desire to want to know him more and it's it's like a wheel in my mind if you're on a bicycle a wheel that just goes around sometimes it skids and stays in one place and sometimes that's how all lives are but it, if you if it's moving it goes here but um the bike the wheel i have in mind with the cycle I'm talking about knowing the Lord, loving him more, following him, and that makes you want to walk with him, know him more, and the cycle. So the cycle is not that it just goes this way, but the cycle goes this way and it gets bigger and goes further as it gets bigger. And it just doesn't turn around one in one level. It gets on a higher level all the time as you go along, but you continue to progress in your Christian life.
And uh, so we trust that as things you've heard today, this morning, past couple of days, hopefully we were able to go um, at faith. Uh, this, this would encourage you to continue to desire these things in your life. I'm preaching at faith on the body, and I, well, um, well, I'm glad I'm the only preacher. That means that they indicated that they needed two <laughs> sessions, but um, I, I had three sessions in mind when I understood the preaching schedule with that up there, but uh, we'll tell you some things. We, we looked at the body of humiliation, and I'd like to share some things with you um, tonight about this body of ours, what God requires of it, and uh, other aspects of it. So we look for trust that you'll be able to make it uh, tonight, Lord willing, at faith. The book of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, presents to us a very familiar uh, incident in the life of the disciples and in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to preach this morning on a topic called Following the Lord Jesus. In, as we look at the Lord Jesus, as he tells people to follow him, there are those who said, Lord, I will follow you. And the Lord Jesus said to them, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air nest, but the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head or call his own. Another one said that he would follow the Lord. Uh, and the Lord tell him, to, he said he got to go and first bury um, his father. He said, let the dead bury their dead. Now, some of us still don't understand all the import of that statement. We make our practical uh, applications from it as it relates to us. I'm sure different ones would have different views of what it means. But let the dead bury their dead. And sometimes it can get a very some a little callous um, about let the dead bury the dead but following the Lord calls not for callousness but for a state of mind that if it calls to love the Lord more than anything else anybody else to give up everything else even though it hurts you or your family it is to follow the Lord and things will work out easier said than done but it's done um remember he passed by he saw matthew or the levi and he called him and said follow me and the bible tells us that matthew followed him immediately um james and john with their nets and they followed him immediately peter did that but i have a little twist on that about peter um when he left his boat, um, you've got to make sure you leave what you leave, leave them and don't go back to them. Peter, after the resurrection of the Lord, when uh, he, although he saw the Lord, at the ending he was still uh, at a place in his life that, uh, I don't know, his guilt, whatever it was, depression, he said, I go a fishing. I don't know if he found the same boat that he had left, but he found the boat. And we have to be careful that when we say we leave something to follow the Lord, that we don't have it you know, hooked up just in case. I have to get back there 
and it becomes a thorn in our flesh. But the wonderful thing about the Lord, just to finish that little scenario, is that the Lord knows that we really want to follow him. I believe he knew that Peter really wanted to follow him. And even though Peter said, I go fishing, and unfortunately, in, in, in ways, when we make decisions like that, we influence others. And they tell us, the Bible tells us, and there were others who went fishing with him. But nevertheless, the Lord came looking for Peter, primarily, and they got blessings as well. And the Lord reconciled Peter back to the place of uh, ministry and fellowship uh, with him. And we see the life of Peter just blossoming for following the Lord. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. It tells us the story of the Lord Jesus telling the disciples in uh, just let me get this a little out of my peripheral well my, my forehead um, so that we could uh, read there for you 23 and when he had entered into a ship his disciples followed him and you know the rest of the story to save time because we will read some of these things and when he entered into a ship his disciples followed him following the Lord <clears throat> maybe you could recall in your life a particular time that you made a decision that you will follow the Lord uh, to some people it came simultaneously when they got saved because of the circumstances of life and the knowledge of the things of the Bible for some of us, it came at some other time in our lives after we were saved. And uh, some message we heard, some incident in our lives, uh, in the pew we were and we made a decision there or, or came to the altar, someplace and that we could put down there and mark. Remember, I remember that day I said I would follow the Lord Jesus. Well, following the Lord Jesus, notice I want to tell you this. Following the Lord Jesus can lead to some unexpected places. He went in the ship and the Bible says, and they followed him into the ship. One will never know where you will end up if you follow the Lord. And uh, it can start and say, well, I like to, like, I want to send you to the Bible college. And uh, you think if you go to Bible college, you'll end up being a preacher. Uh, but God starts you off there and somewhere. And then the twists and turns that comes, uh, the, the, the maze of life, and that sometimes you think you come to a place where you have to go back and God opens a door for you to go on with your life. And you see it unfolding and you look back Says, now I know why God allowed that to happen there because of where I am and what you've seen happen to this person and so on. And you start to be, get more amazed at the maze he's taking you through of life. But it takes some unexpected places. Uh, whether it is for ministry or whether it is for pleasure. And when I say pleasure, I'm not talking about the, the fleshly pleasure. Uh, God wants us to enjoy life. 
And there are times when God gives us some pleasures of life. I remember as a little boy living uh, near the beach. And oftentimes he would just be lying down on the beach and watching uh, the yachts pass by. And we also always thought the yachts, those were the rich people uh, with their uh, big yachts and sailing the seas uh, with nothing to do. And I would dream and say, boy, that be, that's life. That's what I really like to be, you know. And uh, just that little desire would come across my heart. Well, I got saved. And about 10 years after I got saved, God gave me that, 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 gave me that desire without me even desiring it anymore. But after I got saved, those things went out of my mind. Um, and some things happened in our lives that uh, my wife's life and my life that um, we left our church, not left, but the Lord led us away from our church to go to do missionary work through the islands uh, for four years. And uh, we pastored, I pastored in Montserrat, uh, a small island called Montserrat, and then in St. Vincent. And, uh, but all the time we were traveling for those, uh, we'd left for four years, but uh, three weeks before we left, um, after, after I sent in my resignation, three weeks afterwards, um, she got sick and we took her to the doctor. And then the doctor called me in. Oh, you know, when you soon young people and the doctor called you in to talk to you, you know what that means, right? Oh, your wife is pregnant. And we had already resigned from the church. We started giving away uh, our things and we had nowhere to go. Um, we had no means of support, anything like that. What do you do? Well, I'd already got a ticket to travel down through the West Indies to go preach different places, wherever it would end up. And um, we seemed to have, well, I must say, no choice, but we ended up, I uh, think. And so she was pregnant for most of the, well, that's, she went through a pregnancy traveling, um, sleeping in different places and uh, strange places with, uh, uh, and so on. But so when we got to Antigua, I decided to let her because it was near time for her to bring uh, to be delivered and so we figured let her go back to Barbados uh, we didn't have any home to go back to Barbados so brother and uh, Leroy and Margaret uh, they were always our good friends and so uh, we went and we stayed and that's where we stayed um, and when she went I went on to St. Vincent to check things out because um, I always had a desire to start a boys' home. And I had visited St. Vincent some years in 1974, and I saw all these children, and I always wanted, like going back to St. Vincent, to start a boys' home, a home for boys. Uh, but when I, So when I got there, uh, there was this guy, he liked the boats, who was a missionary, and he likes boats. And his, it was his 50th birthday, and his mother gave him a birthday present. She lived in the States. And he rented a 50-foot yacht. And this yacht was going through the Grenadine Islands. If you know, if you check it out, Google it, and you'll see these little islands. Some of them not inhabited, but uh, like when you get to some some of the islands, Mustique, that's where it's owned by the big celebrities of this world, the royalty. And uh, so those those islands are islands of you just for, for the big shots of life. And here I was in this 50-foot yacht. And God answered a desire 
of pleasure that I could just be cruising like one of these millionaires. I didn't have to pay a cent debt. I don't know what they paid, but I didn't have to pay a cent. And I was sleeping on this boat. Uh, I have a light, fishing line in my hand while I slept on the, uh, um, in the boat and, and fishing during the night and for four days. I just said that to say that God, God gives you pleasures in life to enjoy. And I'm sure that you've had some. So don't feel guilty. Sometimes some people make, want to make you feel guilty. If God gives you things to enjoy, enjoy it. Uh, make sure though that you live within the parameters of his will, following him all the time. So some of the poorest preachers have stayed up in, in, in some of the most expensive places in this world. Uh, some have traveled the oceans and the skies while others on land. When you say you'd follow Jesus, you just don't know where you will go. Some have dined at banqueting halls and posh restaurants that they never would have if they did not follow Jesus. Some have also ended up in very hard places because they followed Jesus. With little to eat and little to drink. Some have traveled in dangerous and difficult places because they decided to follow Jesus. Some have had to walk for miles upon miles or travel in strange kinds of transportation because they follow Jesus. I could tell you some stories. My wife, um, sometimes, I think when you're young, God makes you do some things that you just think you're not on an adventure. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> the place we, we lived in, we, we worked with a little church in the country in St. Vincent. Um, we lived, we, we, when we were there, we lived in a, a six foot wide by 12 feet uh, bed with a, with a, uh, what it was, a one year old baby going to two years. Um, the bed couldn't hold three of us, so I had my wife and the baby. So I would take one of the church benches, which was crudely made, to put it at the side of, uh, to sleep there. And we would have to walk mountains and valleys sometimes to get get up in the morning about three o'clock to be able to catch the bus um, in another village um, during the, well, the morning, early morning hours, one, two o'clock, in order to get the bus to get back to where we live if we stayed there only for the weekend. Um, I didn't consider that a sacrifice. It was, for me, an adventure of life. My wife didn't complain, so she must have enjoyed it too. Uh, but I just say that, that that the Lord sends you some unexpected places and you, and you do things that you look back in life now and um, the joy of, of just being in those places and being with those people and you don't look back at it as hardship I, I never saw it as such it was a joy to do that and so when the Lord sends us in difficult places when we follow him don't think that it will be a time when, you know, it'll be so just dull, groaning, heavy shoulders, drooping knees. God has a way of doing things that when you follow him and he leads you to hard places, that there's joy and peace and satisfaction then and afterwards as well to see how he used you. Why is it that it's you he used? And the continual blessings of following him even though he led you to hard places you know uh, I just let me tell you 
what God has done for me uh, because I decided to follow him. Because of some strange circumstances in my life, uh, I, did, I, I left school when I was 13 and a half years old. Um, I, for poverty's sake uh, and, and other reasons, family-wise and so on, um, even though I was a fairly educated person for my age, I was not able to go to what you call high school, secondary school. And yet, God has enabled me to be in the company of some of the most brilliant Christian minds around me, or people around me. I've been invited to preach to places that people with all the doctorates and whatever else I would mull over wanting to be there. I remember going to a conference one year and one of the, the, the president of, of the particular group, as I walked into the building, the hotel where they were having the big uh, breakfast for, the, for all the preachers and so on, he stands up and he says, Carl, come over here, come over here. The guy, the other preacher who was with me from the States, he looks at me and says, hmm, how come he knows you so well? Um, because I think you all have hero worshippers in the States. Um, it seems so to me when um, that's what I observe. Um, the person who's a president of this and that, you always want to meet him and think so great and things like that. Um, but I, I, I said to the guy one time, he said, you know, it's not that. How come uh, I, know, I know him? He said, how come he knows me? It's not <laughs> um, the... It seems as if, you know, that uh, in some people's mind that the big person is the one that's the, the, what, the knowledgeable person or the better person and so on. But I just say that God, when you decide to follow him, you never know where he will lead you, what heights he will take you. We're not the disciples, just fishermen. We often say that. And where they ended up. In, in their ministries of life. Um, following the Lord Jesus can lead you to some unexpected storms. Yes, unexpected places, but it can lead you to some unexpected storms. It tells us there in verse 24, and behold, it says, and they followed him, and then it says, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. I saw that statement and he got into the ship and they followed him and then the next statement is and behold brother John was telling us about behold so I always check out what behold means and behold there arose a great tempest I mean it wasn't days or years afterwards it's they got into the ship and behold there arose a great tempest that's the last thing those disciples expected as they stepped into the ship with him. Luke 8, 23 adds this to the story. And they were in jeopardy. No, not the TV show. <laughs> and they were scared. The last thing was that. I suppose if they knew that when they got into that ship, that there would be a storm, they would not have entered it. God works that way with us, dear friends. 
that if we knew that God says, all right, when you follow me, this is what's going to happen immediately you start to follow me. For me, I know me, and I'm more like that. I can speak for you too this morning. You say, God, I'm not ready yet. I mean, I'm not prepared for that storm. And we more than likely would not have made the decision to get into that ship if we knew that there was a storm. Looking back at your life, I'm fairly sure that none knew that the trial or the storm that you went through or that you're presently going through would have come your way. That's the last thing that has come across your mind. And you've been serving the Lord faithfully. You've been praying to Him. I thought about preaching on Ask and shall find, seek. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Oh, but just let me put a little piece here. I was looking at that and the text there is keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And I was wondering, but, but why would God want us if I have a prayer request? Some of us have been praying for some person in our lives or on say a relative or friend or some aspect of our lives for years and there's no visible answer no tangible answer and yet God says keep on praying and yet he's a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his riches and glory and yet he does not answer our prayer and what does he tell us after he does not answer our prayer keep on asking Keep on seeking. I was thinking, I wonder why God of heaven, the omnipotent God, who's able to just answer prayer. That we have seen him answer prayer just like that already in the moment. Even before you ask, the prayer has been answered. I think we got a little bit of that in emigration in Miami when we were coming here. If any of you ever traveled through, well, you don't have to go through emigration like we have to, but it takes hours and people miss their flights. And so I was taking along my sister who was traveling with us was worried that we would miss our flight. And uh, as we caught uh, at a turning, the, one of the security people just opened uh, one of the, removed one of the, uh, the ropes in the way and said, come this way. As we were going to make another turn, to go down to make another turn, to come up and long, says, come this way. And we ended up at an express counter. And all the man was doing is, go ahead, go ahead. The others where we were supposed to go, uh, there were seven of them were, and they were looking at everybody's passport and everything else. And just went along. Um, be honest, I didn't pray. I just, I, 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 didn't, I didn't pray about that. I didn't really sleep and got in. Um, so, but why does he do that? I have one thought about this matter the purpose of us and God not answering prayer is that God wants us to have a relationship with him a continual relationship and that that relationship our faith will increase because 
If when you pray and God does not answer your prayer and you go and you pray again, He does not answer your prayer. But tomorrow you will go again. You know what that tells me about you? That you actually have faith in God? Because he didn't answer your prayer yesterday, nor the day before, nor the year before, and still you will get up to this morning and you'll go to him again. You must believe in this God. You have great faith. Because he denied you over and over again, and still you're going there with a boldness that he gives to us that we could come to the throne of grace, and yet a sense of submission and worship. And so God has purposes. And then when he doesn't answer your prayer, his purpose is for you to have a closer walk with him, to continue to talk to him. When we follow the Lord, we usually have a feeling somewhere of being invulnerable because we're with the Lord. It does not come to our mind that something negative is going to happen. I don't think so. No, Lord, I'll follow you. Um, I don't think at that time we were wondering, you know, well, if I follow the Lord, what's going to happen to me? It doesn't usually happen that when we, when we give ourselves to the Lord, when we make that decision. I don't think negative things come to our mind at that very moment. Maybe afterwards, the devil will start putting something in your mind. And so, like Peter and the others, they just give up all and they followed him. Well, why would they feel vulnerable? They went into the ship because the Lord Jesus was in the ship. Why would I feel vulnerable if the Lord is with me? I'd feel comfortable, safe. Ah, what a wonderful person to have there in the ship with me. And so there's a peace of mind a simple trusting feeling of, of just being with the Lord in the ship. This gives a feeling of comfort and safety and security. But maybe you are in a storm now and you're wondering, how come this storm has come upon you? All you try to find out the reason for the storm, you cannot seem to come to any specific conclusion in your life. Because it seems that when this part is seen in the answer, something else happened that mm, kind of cross off your first thought. Why it happened? You toss and turn, you pray and plead, and yet the storm continues to blow, and your life, as it were, seems to be in jeopardy. It doesn't seem to have any reason sometimes for the storm. You try to reason out why the storm. If you're like me, you might even try to give God some uh, answers, some reasons for things. And I would figure out with God, but God, if you did it this way, it would work out better, you know. Because <laughs> I can't see it being better this way at all. And then. Oh, you just have to say, Lord, please forgive me for thinking that I'm more wise than you are. 
Who is it that darkness talks about you with? And that's what we often do with God. And sometimes you come to a place like the psalmist in Psalm 42. Where we cry out deep unto deep call up at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and billows have come over me. And then we have to respond like the psalmist when we say that. And speak to ourselves when these billows come over us and there are those who watch on and say, Where is thy God? And in the quietness of our soul, we have to say, Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. The answer's on the way. Wait upon God. Be still and know that I'm God. And you're waiting. And you have deep down in your soul for Yet shall I praise him for the health and health of his countenance. And we have this hope in us that drives us on amidst the storms of life. There are some people that go through things. As mere human beings, you wonder why have they not given up yet? How can you still keep trusting in God? But deep down in your soul, because you've walked with Him before, and you've seen what He's done, you know His promises and what and how his word and his Holy Spirit works in your soul and you know amidst the storms of your life that you can't seem to grasp hold and put together even though you keep praying and praying to him yet there's inside of us that joy hope thou in God for I know him and we look for verses even though sometimes just to grasp of them but they give us hope for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, that are called according to his purpose. And we look for verses that tells us that God is going to take us through. And that motivates us. We think of the time when, where's God when this will be over? And we hear the preacher comes and he says, there will be no more pain, no more sorrow. And you, if you're not an amen person, aloud you say it in your heart. You're looking forward to that day. But some of you, some people have gone through some troubles in life that I, I, I just don't understand. But the grace of God and the hope within their souls to keep you trusting through the storms of life that comes upon us unexpectedly. Yes, dear friends, following the Lord can lead to an unexpected actions from the Lord. In verse 24, we just don't understand him sometimes. What is he doing? It tells us there, and behold, there arose great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And we just don't understand his ways. In the midst of our storms and our difficulties of life. I suppose that is the last thing we would have expected to read. And he was asleep. God asleep while we are following him. He got into the ship. We go into the ship with him. A storm arises and he's gone to sleep. Master, care not that we perish. That would be you and me too. 
To be honest, sometimes, and God knows this, I wonder about some of the actions of the Lord. I wonder. Not about doubting, but I just can't figure out why he would do it that way. When there seemed to be a very simple answer to me. <laughs> When I see the evil that is going on and God does nothing about it and sometimes it rises up in my soul, I just wish I could do that. Sometimes I just wish I was a policeman and I see certain things. Sometimes I wish I was a judge when you hear about certain things. Or sometimes I wish that I could just snap the finger. Stop that person in their tracks. Stop them from talking their stupidity. And God. And what makes it even, I say worse, um, you would understand that word when I say worse, alright? Is that they're cursing God and saying all bad things about Him. And I'm saying, well, God isn't so. And all the time you're saying, God is a, my heart is a part of God, do something to Him to show Him. That you're really there, and God does nothing whatsoever. And I go, go home, you know. It's like Jonah. God does nothing whatsoever. He's asleep, it seems. <laughs> seems like evil marches on to triumph. Why the God of heaven? The omnipotent, all-wise God does nothing and evil marches on and I'm told to trust in him for all his ways are perfect praise God that that is true and that you and I in some measure have come to that place in our lives that we do know, even though we would like him to do something, God get up and do something. Beyond that, we know that when he does not do anything, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he's still the God that is righteous and true and fair and holy and all the other things about him. And we know that he's in control of himself. And he knows it. The best thing to do because he's not only the all-knowing God and the all-powerful God, but he's the all-wise God. And he knows how to handle his knowledge and, and his power to do things. And he doesn't veer off from his purpose and his plan, which includes us. You could think of any other scenarios in your life, but following the Lord can lead us to some experience some miracles too from the Lord. It says then in verse 26, then he arose and rebuked the winds. And behold, there arose a great storm and so much that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said to <laughs> them, why are you faithful, you little faith? I would be in that group for sure. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. What a miracle. You know, we use the word miracle, 
I have my own take about a miracle, that God does not perform miracles. <laughs> the word miracle comes from the word sign, by the way, when we use the word miracle. If I did something like that, that would be a miracle. But God is all-powerful. Nature, I mean, nature is in God's hand. It says. A miracle is a supernatural thing. But nothing is supernatural for God. He just does it. Yes, indeed, I just stood up and said, Let there be, and there was. That's him. And he does these things for signs, for purposes. And we see them as miracles, and we understand men make made a lot of money off of that miracles but it seems good to call them miracles that God performed miracles in our life and following the Lord over the years I'm sure you've experienced some things that you never thought you would have experienced the power of God the presence of God the grace of God in your life the provision of God, the protection of God. And you could see in God working in your soul. And how God, in his own time, did the miracle for you. Many times unexpected as well when it happened. Yes, as we close, it says there was a seed and there was a great can. Have you ever been really tense up, hyped up about God, anxious, stressed out about why this thing is not happening and you just can't believe what's going through life and then suddenly God does it. And a great calm comes over the soul. And then you look at yourself, Lord, please forgive me for acting that way. And that peace, that pass of all, all understanding, just floats as it were into your soul. And you're two different people before and after. A great can. Asleep in the shame. By the way, this gives us a little insight in the real nature of the Lord. It teaches how much he identifies himself with us. And then that's something he wanted them to learn. How he identified himself with us. That sometimes we fall asleep, we turn. It tells us that there are times, by the way, when we too, amidst the storms of life, shouldn't try to stop the storm. We should just be still and take a rest. Just take a rest. But we try to work the things out and, and stop the storm. We try to do all of those things. And all we need to do is stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. Go to sleep as it were. Have a rest. Let God do his work. In his own time. In his own way. And as I speak to you. I speak four times to myself. About that. The divine nature of God. A sleeping God. Is still in control. Of nature. He's still in control of everything. As dear friend. And if I had to make a choice, I prefer a sleeping, my, my sleeping God, the God of heaven sleeping, than a Buddha, a dead Buddha. 
Now all the other gods that you can think of, I still will choose a God who will go to sleep when I'm in trouble. Because I know this now, that the God who is asleep when I'm in trouble actually still knows what's going on. And is still in control of things. So when God seems to have gone asleep in your life, and you've been asking and seeking and knocking, and you're worrying and don't know what's happening, and he's gone to sleep. Just wait upon the Lord, and he will renew your strength. He'll work it out by and by. And by. I don't know how long by and by is. It is a verse that gets me. God says to the children of Israel, um, I, I will forsake you for a while. <laughs> I was a while. A year is a day of the Lord, and a thousand years is a day of the Lord. No guarantees about tomorrow, about what He will do tomorrow in your life. The guarantee is that He will not leave you, He will still take care of you, and you will be able to still know that whatever He does after that, he has a great, grand, wonderful purpose that maybe you might not experience now. But when you stand before him and he reveals in the ages to come his riches of his grace towards you, you will understand it by and by. Keep on trusting him. Even though he might seem asleep. God bless you. Father, take these words. Encourage your people today. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.